Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan marhaban bikum ya ayuhan nas. You know. Um, welcome everyone to the virtual Hajj series that we are doing in the days of Al-Hijjah, the blessed days, the greatest days of the year. Wal-Fajri wal-Layalin Ashri wal-Shaf'i wal-Wat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes oath on the nights. Wal-Layalin Ashri makes these days the greatest days of the year. And as we approach the greatest day of the year, Arafah, which will be next Thursday, we are going through the experience of Hajj as if we are, you know, there. And what we have, our personal experiences, and also what these locations have, the significance of these locations in the Hadith, in the teachings of the Prophet ﷺ, we're sharing with you. And we know you brothers and sisters are joining us. We appreciate your presence. We know you're here. We have people from Toronto, Flint, Michigan, all across America, all is our our Abdul Malik. Um, this is some I, I, some Abdul Malik joining us, but um, everyone is joining us from across the world. So inshallah, tonight uh, we have Muftiul Rahman with us. Sheikh Masmari will be joining us, and myself. We're going to talk about. We're still in Medina, uh, but I first want to welcome everybody back to the virtual Hajj, brothers and sisters. I hope you guys are enjoying the video series that is being launched every single day at 5 p.m. with Mufti Asim. Um, he's done the history of the Kaaba. It's only 10 minutes. Um, every series, that every video episode that comes out, please make sure you watch the episode and the videos. Share them, like them, learn about the Kaaba. And uh, and I hope you're enjoying it. Can I get some feedback from the people who are watching? What have you enjoyed the most? What discussion are you waiting to hear more about? Um, we're still in Medina. And are you waiting to get to Mecca? Um, no, we have not put on the ihram yet. Inshallah, tomorrow we should be heading to Mecca. Inshallah, the hujjaj typically will be heading there on this these days. So I hope, give give us your feedback. And Mufti Sab, Assalamu alaikum. How are you doing, Mufti Abdurrahman? Assalamu alaikum. Good, good. What's I'm going on? I'm happy today because I got uh, I got the good news that I got my MRI results. And MRI results shows that I have a bone bruise in my knee and um, have an MCA MCL strain, not a not a you know not a torn ligament. So that means uh, that means that I don't need a surgery, but definitely it's gonna take a while to recover. So no basketball, I can have to keep my weight off. Weight. But Alhamdulillah, through the du'as of everybody, uh, no surgery required. So I'm doing much better today. I you know I, for sure I was making du'a for you. My du'a must have kicked in. You know, because <laughs> you know surgery would have been a lot of work. No man, I can't. I was, I was, I was really hoping there was gonna be no surgery. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Dogs no, we need you healthy, may Allah keep you healthy. Just, I, I would say, as an older brother to my younger brother, you know, um, uh, it's you're not old, you're still young, but um, you gotta, you gotta take care of your knees. Yeah, no. you know, I take care of your knees. Those knees, you know, there's, you're, there's gonna be sometimes where your children are running after you, you're running after them. Sometimes your wife is gonna be running after you, you know, um, sometimes. <laughs> You you are a principal of a school, uh, so you know forget uh, rest yourself, rest your knees, and we need them to work in the field of da'wah, inshallah. So it's easy. Inshallah. So alhamdulillah, everything is going well. I missed your program yesterday live, but you know I watched most of it, and it was very tantalizing. What do you think about it? I, I mean, you were you were in full go motion, mashallah. You were doing great, and Sheikh Hamza was on. He was good. Akib Akib Freed made me look really bad, man. That that guy. Recited some beautiful nasheeds, beautiful knots, and and the night before we had another um, uh, artist, and he did an amazing job as well. So like, 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to recite any more knots anymore. No more nasheeds just because it made me, he made me look bad. His voice was so beautiful. Don't think, you know, I, I, you shouldn't lose your confidence, honestly. You should be confident. <laughs> and um, you have a very beautiful voice. You have a very angelic voice, angelic personality, angelic look. Everything's angelic about you, Mufti Sal. All right, okay, thank you so much. That's, what I'm saying. That's some of the people in the audience. That's what they're saying, so I'm just repeating it. <laughs> Let's go ahead, Mufti Sal. I know we're going to wait for Sheikh Masmali, but Sheikh Masmali was joining us any minute. So yesterday, when you were you were with us yesterday, uh, Sheikh Masmadi, and we had a guest scholar, Sheikh Hamza, we spoke about Baqi'ah, we spoke about um, Qiblatain, the masjid where the Qibla changed, we spoke about um, uh, some, we were going to enter um, Uhud, uh, Khandaq, we're going to talk about Khandaq today, so these are the few things that we spoke about yesterday, and uh, I, I hope you enjoyed it, so that's basically what we have covered. And we have certain places to still cover today. And some of that is one of the biggest places that we do visit. A lot of time is not spent there. It's Sab'a Masajid, where there are seven Masajid there. The Prophet prayed in seven different locations, and they built the Masajid there. Um, and uh, that's where the Battle of Khandaq took place. It took place in the fourth year. Some scholars say in the fifth year. So um, that was uh, the, the Battle of Khandaq, very, very detrimental to in our history of Islam very important very vital it was that it was 10,000 people from Quraysh and all their allies uh, came against the Prophet we're going to talk about that today and we also want to talk about some of the wells that are in Medina um, I, I remember reading about the wells that are there and the Sahaba that sold their wells or give their wells in charity to the Prophet we speak about that a little bit and um, some sisters um, or brothers have asked questions about the pillars of the of the Prophet masjid and the real the real structure the original structure that was in the Prophet's time and then it was expanded in the time of Uthman bin Affan there was two expansions and and Uthman bin Affan was actually the one sponsoring both of those expansions with his own money so that was the generosity of Uthman bin Affan so Bajan that's what's what's interesting is that what, we don't think about this too much but the sisters our mothers our sisters our daughters Many times, because of the way the setup is, they get deprived of, you know, first-hand experience of some of these holy sites. So, uh, you know, these the pillars of Rodul uh, Jannah, for example, where to pray, what pillar is what. When we're with our, the, you know, the shiyukh, the, the, the women can come into the masjid with the shiyukh so they can guide them, right? So usually the tour operators are, the shiyukh are like someone like yourself, and the sisters have to go on their own. So this would be, a, I have some pictures to show So the sisters inshallah will really benefit from this Everyone's going to benefit from it But the sisters were also like so Some of the sisters were asking Can you please show us these things And tell us where these pillars are And 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 that's why we that's why we said Okay, we'll present that today And also instead of In the city of Medina We went over many Like the historical landmarks of Medina Manawar, Right? So for example, we did Uhud When we got, the first day we get there The second day we would sit salam the third day, I'm talking about day three of Medina. As far as that's day four in our video series, then day day three of Medina is uh, we uh, day three of Medina is going to Uhud. We spoke about Uhud, and yesterday was day four in Medina. But day five, as our video series is going, you guys spoke about Mashal Qiba, Quba, Qiblatain, Al Baqi'ah. These were really amazing places you spoke about. Now this is our final day in Medina Munawwara, right? We're trying to uh, we're trying to we're trying to uh, you know. Recap and cover every single thing that that a person should see and benefit from in Madinat Munawwara. So now you have a few locations left. We can't cover all of them, 
but of of them and these locations, Bajan, these locations uh, that are that we're gonna talk about are every every location, every pillar, every you know inch of Madinat Munawara has not just a historical. There's some historical benefits of it, but there's something to take from it, right? Um, you know how this this is this is a really uh, amazing poem by Professor Iqbal Azim. He says that. Um, جن گلی کوچوں سے گزرے ہیں کبھی میرے حضور صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ان میں تاحد نظر نقش کف نقش کف پا دیکھوں رائے تاکہ ان تاکہ آنکھوں کا بھی احسان اٹھانا نہ پڑے قلب خود آئینہ بن جائے میں اتنا دیکھوں کاش اقبال یوں ہی عمر بسر ہو میری صبح کعبے میں ہو اور شام کو تیبہ دیکھوں واؤ واؤ so that I don't have to really like I don't the eyes don't have any ihsan upon me. You know, like you know when you when when you, the eyes are such a great ni'mah. You know when someone does so much favors for you, you give them back as much as you can or give her back as much as you can. So there's no favors. So I don't want to I don't want to take the responsibility of the favors of my eyes. I'm gonna show my eyes every single inch of Medina where the Prophet walked, right? And and to a point where my heart will also become, you know, eyes where they can see with. And then he says, I wish I could spend my entire life in such a manner. That in the morning I'll be in I'll be around the Kaaba, and in the evening I'll come and see the visit the blessed city of Rasulullah Sallam and see Medina and Masjid Nabawi. So this is this these are these places that we are looking at, we're talking about that we're visiting. So that it's not just like a historical or a you know a landmark, but there's so much so many lessons to take from it, and there's a feeling that we must have. What Sheikh Masmani always spoke about about istihdar, being present-minded when we're there. So that's that's the you know the disclaimer before we start with the rest of these landmarks. That's why we visit them because the Prophet once walked there, Sallam. The Sahaba once sat there. There was something that happened there that people can take reflections from and hopefully change their life because of right. So that's why we are talking about these uh, these places. So uh, Sheikh Masmuri is on. Sheikh Masmuri is right there. Can you see him? Yeah, I can see him now. Right. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum, Madam Sheikh. How are you? Alhamdulillah, mashallah, you're looking great, Sheikh. I see you're looking you better. Have, you have some pieces in your ears. What's going on? <laughs> you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to keep up. You know, I don't have the best mics like both of you, but you know, this is what I have at the moment. You sound good. You look good. Everything is perfect. Anyone that tells you you're not doing good, tell them they're lying. Mashallah, Sheikh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for motivating me. Welcome, welcome, please welcome Sheikh Masmari to the screen, everyone. Especially from Michigan, and you're a Sheikh Masmari. Um, Lover who make dua for him, please welcome him and let's go ahead. We're going to do Khandak today. Um, some of the wells and some of the more um, important landmarks. Someone asked, some sisters asked about the pillars are in the masjid. So we're going to discuss all these major um, factors now. Bismillah. Let's go ahead, Mufti Sahib. You want to start, Sheikh Let's talk about the, uh, the Khandak, which is the next part you want to talk about the trench. What happened? What year was this? Why do we visit this place? What reflections do you have when you visit there? Maybe Sheikh Masman, you can start off with that. When you're taking your group there, when you go there, what are, what are you what what message are you giving to your group to yourself? And what are you, what are you coming back with when you see this uh, this site of Khandak? Because it's still there. You know, there's still something you can see from there. Ji Sheikh. Mufti Sab, can we ask Sheikh Abdullah to start just to mention just the history behind it before we go into the lessons, if you don't mind? Of course. So Khandaq happened in Shawwal in the fifth year of Hijrah. And we have to understand from the line, uh, timeline of Hijrah, second year, we have um, Badr. Third year, you have um, Uhud, right? 
and then you have uh, Khandaq in the fifth year. And uh, this is a, a very detrimental event. This is a very crucial event. And the cause of this event was that after um, the, the original plan of the Quraysh was to annihilate the Muslims in Uhud. And anyone knows, uh, anyone, uh, uh, you know, anyone that knows Hamr al-Asad, the Ghazwa Hamr al-Asad, which was the, the, the small uh, scrimmage or the, uh, the um, you know, the interaction of the Sahaba right after Uhud. Basically, Sahaba were really hurt. They prayed Salah sitting down. The Prophet prayed Salah sitting down the day of Uhud and everyone was injured. So many casualties. So the Quraysh was like, you know, let's knock them all out. Let's go back into Medina and just kill all of them because we're basically we're almost done. Mm -hmm. So when the Sahaba heard about this, the Prophet heard about this, you know, Allah speaks about this when they intimidated the Muslims, but the Muslims got out and they stood up, came injured. Some of them came, you know, dragged and they didn't show fear. They didn't show um, any sign of giving up. They were supporting the Prophet all the way through. So that was um, uh, right after Uhud. But they were disappointed. They went back. They're like, no, we want to do our job. Our job is to really annihilate the Muslims in Medina. Kill. And this time, this was really bad. They couldn't. They knew Quraysh could not do this alone. So they allied with Banu Nadir. Banu Nadir was a Jewish tribe that what did. They were treacherous the year before to the Prophet and the Prophet exiled them from the neighborhood. You know, this was, they were, the first thing the Prophet did when he came to Medina is make treaties with Banu Quraydha, Banu Nadir, you know, and the Jewish community. And they, of course, and they were, in this from the historical aspect, from the factual aspect, there were forms of treachery that were done to the Muslim community. Um, and then the Prophet is constantly under threat. Now Mecca, they, get, they rally everyone. Even the Munafiqeen in Medina, they rally everyone. There's one tribe that's still of the Jewish community that lives, um, that live. Uh, if you see the trench, if you see on the screen, on the top part it says trench where the red line is. The bottom part is Banu Quraydha. You can see them on the bottom of the screen. Banu Quraydha still lives in Medina. This is another very important Jewish tribe. Then you have the two mountains on the right and the left. And on the left, you can only see the bottom of the screen. You've seen Quba or Qiba. And so basically, Muslims don't know what to do. They, they hear that the norm from Quraysh 3,000, with all the allies, plus added more, there were 10,000 men. Um, it's called Ahzab, the Confederates forces. They all came prepared to uh, destroy the Prophet ﷺ. This was the biggest um, force that came against the Prophet ﷺ. You know, and the Muslims... We're in a tough situation. They didn't know what to do. Everyone knows the story. Salman al-Farsi did not participate in Badr or Uhud because he was a slave to a Jewish member from the community. We'll talk about him later on today too, Bajan. Okay, you're going to talk. I'm not going to say his story then. Yeah. He gave the idea. And this is why diversity in communities is so important. Had the Muslims not been diverse enough to in include Salman al-Farsi, we would not know how to defend ourselves. The Muslims would not know against the the Meccans, the Quraysh. And I and, and I and I refuse to use the non-Muslims or the kuffar because Muslims and non-Muslims are not enemies. You have to understand this. There's so many non-Muslims that love us. There's so many non-Muslims that just 
they want to become Muslims or they appreciate us. I'm saying particularly the Quraysh and the Makkans. They were the open enemies. To the pro and there are so many Jewish brothers and sisters that love Muslims. You know, they have no problem with Islam. So I'm not saying to the Jewish community, I'm being particular about the tribes and also the members that are coming from Quraysh. Anyways, 10,000 come against the Prophet ﷺ. Salman Farsi says, in Persia, we were, we were, we, we, what we used to do in this situation, we would build a trench. Now, if you see the right and left, all mountains. The back end, Banu Quraidha, where Masjid Nabawi is. The back, the back end is Mount Ir, right? Okay, so, yeah, Mount Ir on that side, correct. It's all the way back here, Mount Ir, right? And in the front is Mount Uhud over here. So there's a little opening over here only in which yeah. we're going to build a trench. Now, I'm glad you have this on the screen. Thank you, Mufti Saab. They're going to come and we don't know what to do. Mufti Saab, do you know how many days it took them to dig this, uh, dig this trench? No. Waqidi says 15 days. 15 to 20 days, Sahaba worked and just digging trenches. Because they had, from the moment the Quraysh left and all the allies joined, they had around 10 to 15 days to start digging right away. Hands and shovels really don't have the instruments. We're talking about good six to eight feet deep and eight feet wide. You know, eight feet wide to 10 feet wide some places. And this is a very tough terrain. And that's the beginning of this uh, this campaign. So we'll have Sheikh Masmari. That's the history of this. When it says from above, Folk, Allah says they came from the top, which is over here, and yeah. from the bottom, which is over here. Yeah, and Banu Quraidah was not it was part of the treaty. They will not fight against the Muslims. They were, they were, they were, they were had allies. These are one community. This is, people already always say that this was non-Muslims against the Muslims. No, a lot of times non-Muslims would support the Muslims, and Prophet would support the non-Muslims. So we don't want to. People don't understand history really well. A lot of the Islam against uh, against. Um, the infidels. No, this is not what it is about. This is the Prophet ﷺ, even at Fatih Mecca, he stood up for a non-Muslim ally that was treated unjustly, and he stood up for them. Yep. And that's what that was what led to the biggest conquest of the world of the Islam, Fatih Mecca, because he stood up. Anyways, um, for the bottom is Banu Quraidah with Zaghat al -Abusar. The Sahaba had no response. Quran says, When they're Hearts came out, it almost came out of their throats because they were so scared. What the Lununa Billah is They were shaken up. And then on the other side, And then the hypocrites are sitting there who are supposed to be helping the Muslims. They call themselves Muslims. And they start saying, Whoa, this is all, this is, Prophet is setting us up. It's over. It's over 10,000. And they started running away. So the few Muslims that are with you, a good portion of them who call themselves Muslim, they run away. This is a tough situation, Mufti Saab. This is not like Uhud. They had nothing to do. They just had to build a trench. Otherwise, they would have been destroyed except with the help of Allah, they were protected. So Mufti, um, Mufti Saab and Sheikh Masmari, take us through the events in Khandaq. I just wanted to break down the history. Go ahead, Sheikh Subhanallah, Subhanallah, Subhanallah. Wallahi, there's so much to say, and we struggle within a few minutes to go through the seerah. It's not that easy, and I hope people can understand the difficulty as we go through these uh, battles and history, and there's so much lessons. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with knowledge and wisdom. Amen. A few points what Shaykh, my dear Shaykh, Shaykh Abdullah mentioned. Uh, number one, the Sahabi that pushed and advised the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to dig the trench was Salman al-Farisi, as Shaykh Abdullah mentioned. What we get from that, brothers and sisters, is the utilization of one's talent. That he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam embraced all the sahaba and all the sahaba had something to offer. Not all the sahaba were the same. How many of you have heard Qiyamul Layl of Khalid ibn Walid or Khalid ibn Walid giving his wealth? But you know Khalid ibn Walid as the general, as the leader. How many stories do you know of? of uh, Suhaib al-Rumi or Bilal al-Habashi, everyone had their talent and he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was able to utilize that talent to that which serves the ummah. And this Correct. is what we learn from Ghazwat al-Ahzab. Yeah, the battle of the trenches, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam respected everyone's talent. Going back to Ahzab, I know my mashayikh know this, but uh, Hassan ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu ardaq, when they placed all the women in a secret place where people have no access to them just to protect them, there were a few people that were coming by the house. And they all this house, the whole house was, was filled with women only. The only man that was in the house was Hassan ibn Thabit. And in that house was the wives of the Prophet, the daughters of the Prophet, and the Sahaba. Exactly. Everyone was in that house. And it was more like, more like a fort. Huh? It was more like a fort. Yeah, exactly. So as they were, uh, they noticed that people were coming in and they were searching to see. And if they knew that there were only women in that place, they would have attacked the place. And Safiya radiallahu anha ardaha, Sheikh Abdullah just spoke about her yesterday or the day before. She tells Hassan, ukhruj ilayhi, go to him, go to these people, fight them. He says, wallahi, I can't. Subhanallah, Hassan ibn Thabit himself couldn't do much. But he was the mouthpiece of the Prophet ﷺ. He would always defend the Prophet ﷺ through his poems. So even though he was talented through his poetry, but that had nothing to do with him being talented to fight and to defend. And then Safiya went out that day to defend the Sahabiyat and the mothers of the believers. So utilizing everyone's talent. Also, uh, brothers and sisters, Sheikh Abdullah, again, what you, you said, you just gave out, you, you can almost say too much information, Sheikh Abdullah. And th that's why I just feel like I don't want to um, just run away from some of what you said, for I find that very beneficial. Is that you said, Sheikh that uh, their hearts reached their throats. Mm. And that was due to fear. And I want to remind my brothers and sisters, bravery is not the absence of fear. Many people think that if you have so much tawakkul in Allah, you are never afraid. And that contradicts with your tawakkul. If you begin to shiver, if you experience some fear in your life, now your tawakkul has been shaken and it's no longer there. The foundation is weak, which is completely untrue and from shaitan. Bravery is not the absence of free uh, fear, but bravery is overcoming fear. Hmm. How to address it? And the sahaba were able to navigate that through he sallallahu alayhi wasallam empowering them. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam telling them, sharing the glad tidings that he gave. Him reminding them of the of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sufficient. So never, never hesitate or never uh, feel at that given moment that your iman is weak as you experience fear. I'll give you an example. When we were kids, we did so many crazy things. We would walk in the woods. We would... 
uh, do that. And, and, and we, 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 three o'clock at night, just walking alone, there were bears, there were wolves, and you're just not scared. That doesn't mean you were, uh, you were brave. You're just naive. So now when we get older, of course, we're going to think five times before walking into the forest, making sure that we're safe. Five times <laughs> now we're aware. So always keep that in mind. And I felt that those points were very important. And the Prophet ﷺ, subhanAllah, always had a positive vibe. Oh. What we need to do, brothers and sisters, even though we speak about the challenges of the ummah, if you and I have nothing positive to say, after speaking about the challenges and the struggles of the ummah, it is best not to speak. Tabling all the challenges of the ummah is very easy. But how to give it a positive twist, as we mentioned in Uhud, is what he mastered, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He shared the glad tidings. The munafiqum, they had a negative outlook to all of this. They said, كَيْفَ يُبَشِّرُنَا مُحَمَّدْ بِهَذِهِ الْبُشْرَيَاتُ وَأَحَدُنَا لَا يَأْمَنُوا عَلَى بَوْلِهِ That how can Muhammad give us all these glad tidings and one of us cannot even urinate uh, uh, with no fear. There was so much fear. But he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even there are stories where he was even joking in the battle of the trench. He joked with the sahaba. Why? Because there has to be a lot of positivity in order to bring about change. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was so amazing. Inshallah, later on, I can share the story of Jabir radiallahu anhu and how the Prophet made everyone smile. But inshallah, I really want to hear uh, our dear Sheikh, Sheikh Abdul Rahman. You know, in the fear aspect, I love it when Musa salam, right? He's like, he has a staff and he's like, oh yeah, he's got the staff in my hand. Allah says, alqi asa. Right? He drops the staff and all of a sudden, mubin. It becomes this you know, horrific looking snake. Not just a snake, but very scary looking. mubin, right? And Allah says, now, khudha. You know, go grab it. And he's like, no, no, I'm not. There's no way. mudbira. Uh, like he ran away in some parts of the Quran. It says he he couldn't he couldn't even watch the snake. He ran away. Allah is in go. He grabs a rag. And he's trying to improvise and not to get hurt and injured. And he was scared. Allah says he was scared. Yes. Yeah. Not to khaf. Yeah. Exactly. Khudha wa la So fear was present, but again he overcame it for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So Bajan and Sheikh Masmi, Jazakallah Khair for mentioning you know those gems and you know takeaways from. The battle of Ahzab um, or Khandaq. So now, when you're there, I mean, one of the pe- one of the you know people you remember. So, for example, Uhud has names. When you go there, you remember these names. You remember those sixty-five Ansar, and you say their names. You remember them. You talk about them. And whenever you talk about Khandaq or this trench, you the one name that always comes on everyone's mind is Salman al-Farsi, Allah anhu. And one of the places that we sometimes get to visit in Madinat al-Munawwara is the garden of Salman al-Farsi, Allah anhu, right? And and basically this garden was it was owned by his master who was not a Muslim and he was a slave and because he was his slave and he was he would make him work you know day and night he could not get time to spend time with the Prophet or he he never got time to take off to go to Badr or Uhud and now finally he gets restless and he comes to the Prophet and he says he t- first he tells his master listen. You know, you know, please let me know. Can, you know give, give me some freedom. Let me. What, what do you want me to do to win my freedom or buy my freedom? And he says, he tells him something impossible. He, basically, it will take him his entire life to do it. But he says to him, you have to pay 40 ounces of gold and plant 300 date palms. Himself, one person. Right? Like, 
and, one, and, then, and then the date palm trees have to give fruits, all of them, in one year. Exactly. That would be perfect. Yeah, so basically, like, we can't, I mean, people that have a small house, like, in, in, we can't even do landscaping for a house. We have to call somebody else to do it. Like, planting a, one small tree and, some, you know, having a small little vegetable garden, vegetable bed at the back, so difficult. Imagine 300 day palm trees taking care of it, making, making sure that they give fruits or give dates, and then you're free. So basically, he just give, like, he give, he just to give him a, bite, a bone to bite on. Okay, no, this is what's going to happen with you. So Salman Fasi comes. And he tells the Prophet what the agreement was. The Prophet he says to the Sahaba, go dig the holes for, for them. Uh, he says, first, go dig the holes for them, O Salman. And then once, once you've dug the holes, and then he tells the Sahaba, let's help him prepare these prepare the, the holes for the tree that are going to be planted. And the Prophet himself with his own hands, he would you know, t take his hands and dig the holes and put his hand on top of the um, dust and the dirt and the soil. And then like this, uh, the some narrations say, as he was doing it, the trees were coming out, and these trees that we see in this garden are from the blessed hands of the Prophet ﷺ. And then the Prophet ﷺ had this uh, amount of a hen's egg of gold he gave to Salman al-Farsi, and then Salman al-Farsi gave to the master. Now he has his three hundred trees that were miraculously, you know, grown so fast through the barakah of the Prophet ﷺ. And now the master frees Salman al-Farsi, and now Salman al-Farsi is the one who's planning um, the the strategy of Khandaq. So it tells you it how happened right after Uhud. It happened right after Uhud. Yes. So this, this is another garden that we in our ziyarat we see. So when you see this, we think of the Prophet Sallam, how you know he 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 was so empathetic. He 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 shared his he shared the pain with everybody and whatever he could do for anybody he would do for them. Like he he was not a person who would just sit on a chair and say do this and do that, but rather he would participate and do it himself. When the masjid was being built, he built the masjid with his own hands. And when Sahabo said, "Let us pick up the bricks," he would say, "Go grab your own bird, and I'll grab these bricks. You know, go get it for yourself. I'm going to continue doing this." A lot of times, we come in a we come in a position where we stop doing the work, but you know, we expect the ones around us. Rather, we're the ones who're supposed to do the most and lead by action. And the Prophet taught us this. When you go to this garden, you see this. And then there's a few other landmarks that we can, you know, quickly go over, and we can take lessons from Sheikh Masman and Sheikh Abdullah. Another one of those I, we visit a lot in Madinatul Munawwara is the well of Uthman bin Affan radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. I'll share the, the images on the screen. Now this well, I mean, it has a lot of historical... Can I, can I intercept for a second, Mufti Sahib? Go ahead. You know, because you said about Salman Farsi, Salman Farsi was in you know, Zoroastrian, fire worshiper, he became a Christian, he went to so many monks, so many priests in Palestine. He, he was searching for the truth and... And he served in the, in the service of many, many uh, bishops, or do you want to call them priests, that were at the highest position of the church and in and, and, and the Arabian era world, in the Roman world. He went from Persia to the Roman emperor. He went to Egypt looking for the truth. Finally, the last um, priest, or you can call the, you know, the archbishop, told him that there's only one way you're going to find the truth and everyone else is kind of what corrupted is that there's going to be a prophet that's going to come in Medina. And he told him three things about the Prophet I'm going to just summarize that. Three things. He told him, one, he does not accept charity. Number two, he accepts um, uh, gifts, hadiyah. And, and number four, uh, and number three, number two, he accepts gifts. Number three, um, he has a seal of the Prophet behind his back. There's a, there's a seal of the Prophet um, behind his shoulder blades, on um, the back of his shoulder, between his shoulder blades. So Salman Farsi first arrives at the Prophet, you know, he's a servant, but he wants to, he, he's really eager. So he brings the Prophet some 
um, sadaqah, and the Prophet um, says, I, I, I don't take sadaqah, and he gives it to the poor. And then he comes back again, and he wants to offer him um, uh, um, some gift. The Prophet takes a gift. He's like, two of the signs are done. How do I ever see something that's beneath, that's under behind the shirt of the Prophet Like, it's, in, it's on the back of the Prophet You can never see it. So, um, you know, so Salman Farsi was curious and, you know, really concerned. So he says himself, he said, one day the Prophet was going for janazah. May Allah forgive me if I'm wrong, but it's either Uthman bin Mardun janazah, one of the leaders in, uh, in, of Medina, Ansar. And um, he prophesied him attending the funeral prayer. And uh, he, Salman Farsi was walking behind him. And the Prophet, you know, had some idea, intuition. The Prophet just picks up his shirt and Salman Farsi is behind him. And he sees... Um, he sees the he sees the seal of the Prophet Sallam right away. He didn't ask the Prophet. The Prophet Sallam showed it to himself. And then after Janazah, he went to the Prophet Sallam. He told him his entire story, and he accepted Islam. And Salman Farsi, the Prophet Sallam was really impressed by Salman Farsi. Kept him very close to him. So I just wanted to let you know that that's a background Salman Farsi. Yeah, great. So again, what Sheikh Masmari said, but like it's hard to you know explain everything with detail in this short. We just want to just explain the these these sites and just give a few reflections and move to the next one. Sheikh Masmari, is that accurate? Like it would be. You don't. I like to have Sheikh Masmari talk about the Jabir of the Allah story, if you don't mind. You can go. If, yeah, go ahead. You can do that Khandak story. Yeah. And then if you allow me, I can say the Ali of the Allah story with Amr bin Wudda, and we'll call it quit to Khandak. So, so basically of Khandaq you have So Salman al-Farsi We spoke about Salman al-Farsi This garden uh, which I just showed some palm trees And so he was the one that Was a, the, the one that strategized this trench And there's a few more reflections or stories That Sheikh Masmari and Sheikh Abdullah Want to share with you um, It looks like they love this this battle And they love things about it So go ahead, share it with them We have, well, a, few, we have a few things We have a few things left for today's discussion because tomorrow we're leaving Madin Munawara, so we want to get done with those two. Like, for example, I I promise I won't take more than three minutes, and Sheikh Masmari can take 10 minutes. Go ahead. (laughs) Sheikh Sheikh Abdul Rahman, he already started talking about Bin Ruma, but okay, we'll we'll, um, we'll just finish Al Ahzab very quick. The story of Jabir, inshallah, to summarize it, is that Jabir, Sheikh Abdul Rahman just mentioned, subhanAllah, that the Prophet was always in the front lines. He wouldn't just tell people what to do or ask people to work. He demonstrated that through action. And this is what made him so great, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. People tied one rock to their stomach and he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tied two. He was in, in great hunger, peace be upon him. Jabir ibn Abd, Jabir radiallahu anhu, he realizes that he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was experiencing hunger and leading the ummah. So, of course, that's double the challenges and providing for everyone else. So Jabir comes and he tells his wife and he says, how many people can you host? How many people can you host? She said... We have a small animal and some bread, maybe three to four. Just bring the Prophet along with Abu Bakr and Umar, anyone else. But please, we cannot do more than that. So Jabir, he comes to the Prophet ﷺ so excited. He says, Ya Rasulullah, and he's whispering to the Prophet ﷺ. He did not want anyone to hear. He says, Ya Rasulullah, I have enough food for you and maybe three other people. And we welcome you to our home. The Prophet ﷺ looked at Jabir and he said, okay, I accept the invitation. And then he looks the other side, he says, Ya Ahl al-Khandaq, inna Jabir yad'ukum ila walima. <laughs> oh, people of the trench, Jabir is calling you to his house, to an invitation, an open invitation. Everyone is invited. Hundreds of people are invited. Jabir did not even speak to the Prophet, did not even respond. He rushes to who? To his wife. 
And he comes home rushing and he says, we're in a problem. We have a problem now. She said what? She said, he said that the Prophet ﷺ invited everyone. So everyone's coming. Forget about the three. Everyone else is coming. She said, if the Prophet ﷺ did that, he knows why. She surrendered to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet knows that which we don't. So she was completely okay with it. The Prophet ﷺ came home. The first thing he did, he made dua for the food and for the bread. Number two, he covered it. And I always advise my brothers and sisters, don't always count the cash in your pocket. How much? And I never do that, by the way. I have never counted the money in my pocket, the amount of cash I have, since I heard that hadith. Never. Allah. Because you're not supposed to count. Just if you have enough, khalas. Because by counting and knowing all the details, you lose a lot of barakah. So subhanAllah, the Prophet covered everything. And this is one thing we learned with, I'll be honest with you, when we attended jama'ah and tabliq and we traveled, we thought they just covered the food to keep it warm. <laughs> right? We never thought they're doing that to, 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 to keep the barakah in the food, so they hide it. So subhanAllah, the Prophet wasallam covered everything. Each and every sahabi that was there took a piece of meat and a loaf of bread. Every single sahabi ate from that walima. Because he, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, he, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, made dua for that food. There's another riwayah, is that in another hadith also for the water, and it all happened in the battle of the trench, someone removed the cloth to see where, where is all this coming from? And when it came to the water, the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, Wallahi, if he did not, if he did not expose that, لَكَانَتْ نَهْرًا تَجْرِي فِي جَزِيرَةِ الْعَرَبِ Wow. And if it wasn't that he removed that piece of cloth or where the source of the water was coming from, it would have been a running river. So the food wow. was being distributed, distributed until someone removed the cloth. So that's the it's a beautiful story of Jabir and how beautiful his wife was where she was completely submissive to the Prophet ﷺ. If he invited everyone, he, he knows what he's doing. And Jabir, Jabir ibn Abdullah is the same Sahabi who, whose father died in Uhud. And uh, when he died, he was he left, he, I think he had like 11 sisters or something, you know? He had a lot of sisters and he was, uh, it, was uh, it was just a shock to him because, and that one part in Uhud, post-Uhud, Prophet Sallam saw him, he said, why are you crying? He said, also my father died. You know, my father died. He says, you know what? Inna Allaha, Allah Subhanahu Allah Subhanahu spoke to your father directly when he passed away, and wow. he said to your father Abdullah, Tamanna, make a wish. And Jabir's dad Abdullah, he said, Allah, Tamannait, you know, and Urjil al Dunya, Uqatil fi kamarat ukhra. I want to come back to the world and sacrifice my life for you, you know. Yeah. And he, Allah says, no, uh, that, that 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 can't happen. I have a rule. Once you die, you go to Jannah or you go to hell, and you can't go back to the dunya. So he says, you know, I just want you to be happy with me. So Allah subhanahu wa says, to Jabir's dad, I am pleased with you and I'll be never disappointed with you. Raditu anka Abdullah. So this is the same Jabir. If you, anyone that knows anything about Jabir, so the Prophet would deal with, Sheikh Musmani knows this. He Sheikh Musmani taught me about Aisha radiallahu anha. The Prophet deals with Sahaba, everyone differently. Jabir is one of those that he can perfectly can pull this stunt on. Like, you know, like, hey, like we'll go to Jabir's house. He can't do it everyone because everyone is different, you know? So Jabir is one of those. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Masmi Mufti Sab. Um, I wanted to just add uh, that story of one of the most famous parts of Khandaq, 
was when the Prophet ﷺ was uh, digging and all of a sudden this boulder, this rock was placed in front of them. And, and it was so heavy, it was so big that the Sahaba could not dig ahead. This was in the early part of Khandaq. And they, whenever the Sahaba came to difficulty, they came to the Prophet ﷺ. And, and even in Badr, they came to the Prophet ﷺ. And it says that sometimes in Hunayn, in Hunayn, everybody ran away. The Prophet was in the front. The Prophet ﷺ was never intimidated, even when people were falling back. So even this, this, this is the sign of Iman. And um, finally, uh, the Prophet ﷺ comes down for أخذ الْمِعْوَلْ He grabs the axe, you know, and he puts a sheet down. And then he, he smashes, he hits the, the trench, uh, the, the rock. And he says, And Allah's deen, Allah's religion is going to flourish. Then he, when he did this, uh, it says, When the Prophet did this, there was this, there was this flash of light that went by and it lit up the whole entire trench and everybody around it. Then he hit it a second time, then it lit up the trench again. Then he hit it again. And he, every time he said this, he said, The deen is going to go ahead, you know. And when the Prophet got out, he grabbed his, his shirt and because uh, he took off his shirt, you know, the top of his uh, stomach, um, the top of his chest was showing. And he put on his shirt again. He sat down. Salman Farsi, we're talking about Salman Farsi. Ya Rasulullah, every, oh Prophet of Allah, every time you slashed it, there was this light flash. What was it? Did you really see the light? Did you see the lightning? That, like, that flash all around and illuminated everything? He says, I swear with Allah who sent you with the truth, I saw that flash of light. Imagine 10,000 against them. Banu Quraidha behind them. The Muslims are smashed. And the Prophet is going to say this. He says, He said, when I first hit it, the, the Persian Empire was conquered. Allah showed me the Persian world. And then, and then, and all their surroundings of, of the Persian Empire were shown to me. Then I did it, I, I smashed it the second time. And I saw Qaysa, the Roman Emperor was handed over to Islam. They all accepted Islam and the Roman world. Sham was under there, Palestine was under there. And then I hit it the third time. In one narration, it says Habasha. Habasha includes Yemen, right? So I saw Islam spread in Africa and Yemen. Three places Islam had spread. And then the Prophet said, Don't go, don't fight the um, don't fight the um, the Turks. Uh, and, and anyways, this was the vision of the Prophet in the eye of trouble, meaning he was so optimistic. This is why the Sahaba were like the, the munafiqin were like, This is can't be like we don't have food. We got stones on our stomach. We're falling. We're like we're crippled. We don't. We we're afraid. It's cold. It's windy. And now you're telling us, Roman, the Persian, the African world, um, Yemen, all this is all going to be conquered, and people, are gonna, Islam is going to spread there. And uh, the Muslims understood this was truth. It's one story. And one of my favorite story. I don't think we have time for this. Is when Amr bin Wudda came against the Muslims, and he said. No one can go over the trench. And Abu Bakr does like, man, you bad, who's going to fight me? Who's going to fight me? And nobody wanted to challenge him. He was the strongest, the most, the furious fighter of the Quraysh, from the, from the Confederate um, community um, of the Ahzab. So nobody got up. Abu Bakr didn't get up. Umar didn't get up. Uh, you know, Uthman couldn't get up. Abu Ubaidah, Zubair, all these great Sahaba are quiet. 
And Ali radiallahu goes, I'll do it. And the Prophet says, Ijlis innahu amr. Ali, chill out, you know, relax. This is, this is you know, this is, this is the biggest fighter of the time, of the world. He said, no. So then he comes again and he's covered from head to toe. And he says, Ala rajulun yabruzu. Is there someone that can fight me? And then he starts to say, Aina al-jannah. Okay, now, all right, it looks like all you guys are afraid. Where is that paradise that you guys all talk about that if you die, you go straight to that paradise? So he's taunting them. He's taunting them. So Ali says, Ana ya Rasulullah. Prophet says to Ali, his son-in-law, Ijlis, innahu Amr, chill out. You, you don't know this guy. This is Amr. Ali is probably 26 years old. This guy's a, you know, a, a very veteran fighter who's going to fight against. Again, the third time. And um, he said, who's going to fight? And Ali radiallahu says, Ya Rasulullah, Ana. And the Prophet sallallahu says, Ali, Ijlis innahu Amr. Do you know who this is? This is the biggest fighter in the area. Ali radiallahu anhu's response was highlight. Ya Rasulullah, walau kana Amran. Come on, even if it's him, send me forth. And then Ali radiallahu anhu stands up and he says, La ta'ajalanna faqad ataka mujibu sawtika ghayra ajizi. Mujibu sawtika ghayra ajizi. Fi niyyatin wa basiratin. You know, I'll summarize this poem. He says, listen, I'm going to give you such a whooping, such a <laughs> that when I'm done, for the stories that are ever going to be discussed about warriors and people who got whooped, my story is going to come on the top. He says this poem, knocks him out, and there's this big cheer on the side of the Prophet and of course, this was one of those times where I have to say, Ali, he was he was Khaybar, Khandaq, Uhud, and even in, in Badr, he was just so detrimental, so powerful. And these were people who gave their life. And Ali was a young guy. He was a young person. So may Allah bless all of them. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, their wives, their daughters. This is... Let's go ahead. <laughs> so so uh, one of the sisters said, Sheikh Abdullah went over his three minutes and you, you your brother have such sabr. I love the story and watching the sabr. <laughs> Sheikh Masmini and Sheikh Masmini and I are used to this sister. We 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 enjoy this, right, Sheikh Masmini? Oh. When, when, when Sheikh Abdullah says, you know, I need two minutes, khalas, we know there's his clock starts when it ends. You know, it doesn't start before it starts. So nonetheless, you know, what do you think, Sheikh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without me saying anything, without me commenting, but mashallah, we benefited. Yeah, jazakallah khair. You know, I don't want to start again and go for another three minutes. It was five or ten. Okay, no problem. So, I mean, for the audience, no problem, inshallah. That's good. The benefit, it was important. You mentioned those stories, and so we take some reflections from those. But again, you know, these, when we're leaving, when we're coming back on the bus and we're passing by, Khandaq and we're going back to our hotel or to get ready to go back to the uh, to go back to the masjid for salah. What are we? Go what what is our minds going through? For me, Sheikh Masmani, I'm thinking about you know how exactly what you said. Every every person, every individual Sahabi brought different things to the table, and they collectively became this group of Sahaba who had different talents from different backgrounds. And the Prophet was the greatest leader, greatest teacher, greatest friend ever. And he knew how to utilize everyone, and to, to and this this collective effort then brought about you know this this victory of Ahzab, of Khandaq, and then and then at that point the Prophet said from now onwards they're never going to come back here, you know we've showed them together. Today the Muslim Ummah, what happens is we 
when we get divided because of certain views, because of certain, you know, uh, just because we grew up with a certain base, uh, base knowledge, then we divide based on that. Then we lose our strength. Sahih. Allah says that when you do that, then your power, your strength goes away. You're only as strong as everyone is together. Don't, don't, don't divide based on the way this person holds his hands in salah or the way this person wears clothes or the way this person speaks or which institution this person studied. No, we come from different backgrounds and everyone has something they can bring to the table. And it's our responsibility to figure out a way to respect everyone, to appreciate everyone's efforts. You know, one of the things in the Quran that Allah uh, even the Allah is telling the Prophet, don't, don't, no point of arguing. You know, the, 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 when Allah talks about the people of Mecca, He highlights this this quality of theirs that they're always argumentative of who's right and who's wrong. Like, like don't don't get into those those minute details. And so, for me, when I'm leaving. Uh, when I'm leaving Khandaq, I'm thinking about this the diversity of the Sahaba that come from different backgrounds with different wounds and how Allah utilized them and how the Prophet was able to take from them and um, and magnify their talents. You know, Umar al-Khattaban who is saying that Kunna We were the most disgraced of all people. We had we didn't even know we had these talents, and Allah highlighted these talents through the Prophet. So Sheikh Muslim, as I'm leaving, I'm thinking about this. And we had other things to talk about today, but Sheikh, if you want to, want to show something of the pictures. That no, you have? if Sheikh Masmi, you want to speak a little bit about that, and want to, you know, say anything, anything about in that topic or in that context, you can go ahead and say, it, inshallah. Well, I think with Ahzab, khalas, we're good. So now, so now we, now we, we got that. We understand what that is about. Now, I think we'll just highlight again a person who had a talent, and this person's talent was his heart. Like that's what he was all about, his generosity, right? You know, he was ready to do anything to give. You know, there are people, there's some people in our communities, anytime there's a need, their checkbooks are open, right? You may not, that's their talent. That's what they have. And, you know, so this was one of those sahaba, Uthman bin Affan, right? When the Prophet comes to Madinat al-Munawwara, there's no sweet water. And the sweet water that, there's only one well that had sweet water. And that sweet water that the, the, the Jewish owner of that well he was very difficult upon the people and the, upon the community. He would overcharge them, and the Muslims didn't have money. So now, what happened, Sheikh Musbi? Can you just give us some, you know, background of the story? Please, please continue. I want to hear. Are you this. serious? Yeah. Okay. So, so Uthman bin Affan, you know, the Prophet Uthman bin Affan, who you know, he's he he's promised. The Prophet says, "Who will buy this well?" And I promise him a well in Jannah. Right. And Uthman bin Affan goes to this person. He says, "Can I buy this well from you?" And he says, no, I'm not going to sell it, you know. So, you know, if it was one of us, like, okay, I tried. And he said, no, khalas, it is what it is. You know, qadr Allah, masha. But he was, he wanted that well in Jannah. He, he wanted it. So he wow. said, ah, he thought of a different, you know, he thought of a different way of getting it. So he said, ah, you know, how about, how about if I buy half of it? I mean, that's a very, you know, that doesn't, that transaction doesn't usually happen where you buy half of it, right? Like, okay, let me buy half of it. 50% me, 50% you from the same well. So the Jewish owner thought, okay, you know what? You know, maybe, okay, one day will be mine, one day will be yours. I'll still own it. I'll still profit from the day I've, I'm profiting. Then you said, okay, no problem. Let's do that. So Uthman bin Affan buys it that one day will people can take from the well and he can sell or give as he wills. The day that was his, he says to all the Muslims and everyone in the community, he says, today you can take water for free. I will not charge, no one's going to be charged. Take and keep and store as much as you want. And the Prophet was so happy with this, 
you know, amal of his. And this person who was the owner, he realizes on the day where he was selling, no one was coming to him. So then he finally sells it to Uthman bin Affan anhu. In some narrations, it's as low as 20,000 dirhams, as, as high as 35,000 dirhams. He sells this well to, the, to Uthman bin Affan. And Uthman bin Affan anhu was then asked later on, because you know, the one, he said, can I, one person asked, it was a sweet water well. He said, can I buy this for double the money you bought it for? And he says, no, I've been promised more than that. He says, can I buy it for three times the, uh, you, know, you bought it for? He says, no, I've been promised more than that. He says, can I buy it for four times more than what you purchased it for? He said, I've been promised more than that. And the person said, who will promise you more? Than, who will promise you four or five times more than your purchase price? He says, Allah has promised me 10 times more than that. Allah. For every good deed, 10. Uh, Allah has promised me that and I'm doing it for that. Right? So this was, and then you, one, one interesting thing about that. What's Sheikh well's name? Excuse, go ahead. What's the well's name? It's called it's called Bi'r Uthman and also Bi'r Roma, right? There, there's two Ruma. names of this. Do you know where this well is, Sheikh Masmari? I'm gonna I'm no. gonna share the screen right now with you about uh, right now. This well is a beautiful, and you know what's interesting about this well um, is that it's the only well that actually is still has water since the Prophet Sallam's time. It still has water there, right? And what's interesting in the time of Uthman bin Affan, this is the old picture of the well. At the time of Uthman bin Affan Khilafah, Khilafah there, became, there was an order, there was this garden of trees that grew there and that had dates, they were giving dates. There's about 1500 trees there now that give dates, you know, seasonal dates. And there actually is a bank account waqf on Uthman bin Affan's name. Yeah. So the, when they sell these dates and then half the money is utilized for sadqa on the orphans, on the, on the, on the, on the poor. The masakin and the half it's reinvested into making sure that the agriculture and the growth is proper. So imagine till this day, Uthman bin Affan, who's passed away many years ago, but he's still getting the reward for every single person, every orphan, every poor person who's benefiting from this orchard. And this shows the power of sincerity and amal that Allah accepts. So this is what, when I go to this garden, I think of this great man, Uthman bin Affan, who who was ready to do anything to bring sweet water to the Prophet ﷺ, and he did that. Sheikh Masmani, please elaborate on that. Allah. I want everyone for just for a moment, what Sheikh Abdul Rahman mentioned in his last point. Al-Bank al-Rajuhi. And I did this research also, Mufti Sahib. Al-Bank al-Rajuhi has a bank account under Uthman ibn Affan, radiallahu anhu, until today. His bank account... The owner of that account in Ben Karajuhi is Uthman ibn Affan. Because there's so much wealth from this beautiful land that Sheikh Abdul Rahman Jazahullah Khair for uh, setting these pictures and uh, presenting them. Now they have, he, Uthman ibn Affan, has partnered in two hotels. One of the hotels is in Jabal Umar, those newer hotels in Mecca next to the Hilton Suite. Yes, so Uthman anhu is also part of that project. And also a hotel in Medina that is owned by the Awqaf, the endowments of Uthman ibn Affan. And he continues to feed. And this is after feeding all the orphans, millions of people that benefit from Uthman ibn Affan anhu. Brothers and sisters, if there's anything to gain from this, there must be a amal that you have between you and Allah that you do with excellence. Whatever it may be, when Aisha radiallahu anha would give money, she would purify the money. She would also 
put perfume on it and just, and and, all, and give it to the poor and say it falls in the hands of Allah before it arrives in the hands of the so just make sure that you perfect your ibadah. This is what excellence does. Wallahi, I, knowing Uthman ibn Affan, he never expected this, Mufti Sahib. He I never did. expected that this land will continue to give 1,400 years later. We're not talking about 200 years. We're not talking about 300 years. We're talking about 1,400 years later. And there's the fruits of this beautiful land and this beautiful well continues to give this ummah and many orphans continue to make dua for Uthman. This is what happens when you're sincere in your amal. People may not recognize. Maybe your intention was just to feed one person, to support one family, or to do whatever it may be, or to be a miftah sustainer. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. Shahabullah is going to put it on the screen right now. Oh, yeah. You got that right. You read my mind. <laughs> I know Shaykh Abdullah for sure. He loved that last point, huh? <laughs> He so, loves it. Whatever it may be, never underestimate the good that you may do. Just make sure it is accompanied with sincerity, that you're doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're in the 10 days of the hijjah. Look at whatever you're doing. Choose one amal. Even your spouse shouldn't know what you're doing. Wallahi, our salaf, our scholars would pray for so many years and their spouses wouldn't even know. Male or female. None of them would know what each other, were, what, what both of them were doing. Zainul Abideen, they never knew what Mufti Saab and Sheikh Abdullah, you know, they used to call Zainul Abideen stingy. Ajib. They used to call him a bakhil. And, and the reason why he went bakhil is because they called him bakhil is because he would never give him public. Wow. And so they called him stingy and they only realized his generosity when they saw two black lines on his back and they saw that over 100 families in Medina were complaining that they no longer have enough food. After he, he died. After he passed after away. After he died. Achim. And that's where, that's where all his charity was given. So subhanAllah, just be sincere in all of us. May Allah bless us with sincerity. Okay, sir, somebody asked that question about the, the pillars. Do you have any pictures on the pillars? Habib, we will not go over that. I refuse to go over that. We have so much information that we've given to the audience today. We will, as we're leaving Medina tomorrow, at the beginning, we will go over that, inshallah. Just leave them with this, inshallah. That the fact is, what Sheikh Masmari just mentioned, you know, um, the scholars of the past, the Salaf al-Saliheen, they would actually, um, I'll stop sharing this. They, no, would, act, sharing. they, they would actually um, prepare the answer to this question from Allah. If Allah asks you, O Aisha, O Muhammad al-Masmani, O Abdullah Wahid, or, or the, the people who are watching, Rahman, what have you done for me? What have you, what have you brought forth to me? What amal are you going to present to me? They would actually prepare for this answer. You see, they would say, Oh Allah, I've done this for you, and I've done that for you. This is what we should, you know, this when Uthman bin Affan, who stands in front of Allah on the day of judgment, you know, if Allah asks Uthman, What have you done for me? I mean, they have they, they can open their book, they can just say, This ya Allah, this ya Allah. And to for us, we should also do, and those amal are usually the ones that we don't even know about. Nobody knows about so perfect them, perfect our intention, be consistent with them, and inshallah, they will the most the most powerful things in this world, most powerful are the good deeds that a person does with sincerity and excellence. So that's why I encourage all of us from the story of Uthman bin Affan, one who we see that till this day is a living miracle, he's still getting reward, he's still benefiting from it. So Allah make us among those who can perfect and strengthen our good deeds and not waste them and, and have this answer in front of Allah on the day of judgment when he asks, 
What did you do for me? What have you presented? What have you sent forth? And we have different things we can mention. And inshallah, those are the deeds. When those three people were stuck in that cave, they never started making dua. Oh Allah, help us, help us. But rather they started presenting Allah with their good deeds. Oh Allah, once I stood all night for my parents. Oh Allah, I did this, I did this. And because of that, the cave was opening up for them while as they were presenting their good deeds. So be able to present your good deeds in front of Allah and ask Allah in this world and also in the in hereafter. Jazakumullah khair, Mufti Sahib. Thank you everyone for joining us tonight on the virtual Hajj. And we are tomorrow going to arrive at the departure discussion of Medina. And it's going to be a heavy discussion. We've gone through Uhud, Khandaq, and all the main points, places in Qiba and Medina. We spoke about some of the gardens in Medina, some of the wells. We will be leaving Medina tomorrow as a, as a discussion. And then that discussion will have a lot of implication, a lot of discussion. So please join us tomorrow. What should be our emotions? What should be our feelings tomorrow when we're leaving Medina? Looking back at the Green Dome, saying salam to the Prophet for the last time before leaving, not knowing when we're going to come back again. You know, imagine if this was the last time meeting the Prophet Sallallahu A lot of this discussion will happen tomorrow, inshallah. Like I said earlier, brothers and sisters, if you can be a miftah sustainer, we will really, really appreciate it, especially in the days of the Hijjah. Anything, any little, any little donations that you give to uh, miftah um, for the, the process of the growth of the institution, we have a building that we purchased just before COVID-19 for $3 million. We have a lot of loans to pay back on that, so your support will help that also. Um, also, please continue to watch our 5 p.m. Uh, release on this history of the Kaaba um, series and keep us in your prayers. Inshallah, we'll see you tomorrow. Jazakumullah khair. Mufti Sahib, Salamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Salamu alaikum to everybody.